Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. everyone welcome to a good football show i am matt straup it is thursday july 15th and today we're going to be looking at a handful of real life nfl teams that are possibly underrated for fantasy value plus a couple of squads that may be a bit overrated in that department i'm joined by pat doherty denny carter and kyle devorchak john daigle is not here today guys we assume he is still paying down the bill for his courageous but frankly, quite reckless sampling of two unbelievably hot hot sauces last week live on the pod. I think I speak for everyone when I say, John, we wish you all our best. It, yeah, when no one has heard from him since then, uh, we have uh, alerted the authorities. They're looking for him, too. It's uh, yeah, it's alarming. He, he, yeah, he left the set, if you'll recall. He walked off the set. I don't think he came back afterwards. I have to go back and check the video. But he left with about three minutes to go. Hasn't been heard from since. <laughs> He actually said, oh, no. <laughs> he's in. He's in. I know where he is. He's in a military hospital in Groom Lake, Nevada. For any of you who know what Groom Lake was, I don't have to spell it out for you. He's in Groom Lake. Uh, they're having to do some special experiments on him, some untested procedures. But they're hoping that he comes out of this all right after uh, yeah, eating those two extremely hot chicken wings live on our podcast. Totally, totally worth it on his end. Honestly. It was. Kyle... Kyle nodded knowingly when you said Groom Lake. All I could think of was the opening scene from Pineapple Express. That's probably it means my brain is broken. <laughs> yeah, Groom Lake. Is, is that in Groom Lake? For the Zoomers out there who've never heard of, they've never heard of Pineapple Express. They've never heard of Seth Rogen. Never heard of James <sighs> Franco, who's been canceled. Um, so yeah, Groom Lake, but if you don't know, is it's Area 51. Folks, that's uh, where Area 51 is. Uh, forgotten opening scene, though, with Bill Hader in Pineapple Express, the flashback scene. Yeah, that, that's quite a, a comedic tour de force for any of the Zooms that want to want to laugh. Yeah, it is, a, it is a nice opening scene with Bill Hader. Former NBC employee Bill Hader, by the way. Right. That's right. Former uh, co-host of a, of a good football show, Bill Hader. <laughs> yeah, it's true. People forget that. Yeah, people forget that. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. All right, let's get into the topic at hand. These are teams where we think some of the core options uh, or the roster at large is being underval- underrated, undervalued for fantasy purposes, keeping ADPs in mind at the moment. We'll start with you, Pat. I assume largely swayed by the Tim Tebow signing. You have chosen the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars. Tell us why you think this ball club is underrated in terms of fantasy. Well, yeah, this is one of those ones where I was really hoping you would not start with me. because um, uh, You knew I would, though. Uh, yeah, I was absolutely terrified. I was terrified to pick any team. But my soul kept speaking to me like, you know, you think it's the Jaguars. <laughs> and uh, so I had to bring that into the group text. And, yeah, and I'm here to talk about the Jaguars. And, I mean, it kind of boils down to – so, I mean, I've, said, I've made this point. I mean, Urban Meyer is one of the greatest football coaches in American history. Uh, we do know that for a fact. We don't know how that will translate uh, in his first year to the big leagues. You know, he's got to go from being the big man on campus to, you know, just another random NFL football coach uh, – you know, they're used to like dick, dick to, I can't even say dictatorial powers. I can't pronounce I'm glad the you word. finished the word, honestly. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Good yeah. point. Um, they're used to these sweeping, uh, unchecked powers. You know, he doesn't have that in the NFL. These are grown men. These are professionals all making money. And he's had a rocky transition so far in that area, but he's one of the greatest football coaches of all time. He's one of the greatest designers of offenses of all time and had success with so many different kinds of players at all the stops. Going back to you know, almost winning Alex Smith. Did he win Alex Smith the Heisman at Utah? Oh, I said almost. I can't remember. He made Alex Smith a number one overall pick yes. back when Utah wasn't even in a Power Five conference. He had success with Tim Tebow, of course, Chris Leak, you know, Dwayne Haskins, a guy who can barely move around the pocket. He knows how to design offenses. Uh, he, he always designs highly efficient offenses. He always is kind of sneakily, not maybe not sneakily, very balanced offenses. It's like I guess the worry would be that they're they're leaning to the run heavy side of the balance this year. But, you know, so for all of his, all of his foibles making this adjustment to the big leagues, he has something giving him a huge margin for error. And that is of course, Trevor Lawrence. And so that might just tilt the scales uh, to passing by itself. And, you know, even though they signed Shaq Griffin, they shined, signed Rayshon Jenkins and free agency, but this remains one of the five worst defenses in the league. Like right. they're not going to really be like dictating the pace very often in games. So even if he wants to be more run based, uh, they're going to be playing from behind almost all season. They are in a division, you know, some really, really bad defenses too, like the Texans uh, and uh, still the Titans that could help. And I just think we're going to get kind of pedal to the metal urban Meyer. And we have one of the best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck. And we have none of these Jags receivers. They're barely even going like in the top 40. Like DJ Shark barely going as a wide receiver three. Even LaVisca mm-hmm. Chenault is not going as a wide receiver three. Marvin Jones is being drafted like he's on the Raiders or something. Uh, Travis Etienne barely an RB2. James Robinson barely a flex. And 
I'm not saying like this isn't gonna be like a situation where we're getting like two or three wide receiver twos or whatever, but I'm pretty confident we're gonna get two wide receiver threes from the Jaguars, probably two flex running backs. And that maybe it's just kind of like the uncertainty of not knowing who it's going to be, like which receiver it's really going to be. But I, I do think the Jags are going to produce probably considerably more fantasy value than they're getting credit for. This take is going to look uh, really good after week one when yes. the Jaguars put up 45 against Houston. So oh, that's con- right. That's congratulations right. <laughs> on, on that uh, on that one. But uh, the division itself. I think is a reason to target these guys at ADPs is guys who can exceed their ADPs. I will say that, that I've noticed a, a pretty uh, stark difference in how, um, you know, savvy players, I am trying to avoid, you know, any kind of uh, name calling here, but uh, uh, you know, more casual players see LaVisca Chenault say. Denny, and, just, I got to enter. It's just always a, a Denny pretends to not be an elitist. Yeah, it's, it's very classist. It's a classist argument. Yeah, he's so elitist. Yeah, and I don't like being talked down to as a casual fantasy player. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. None of us are. And and so, you know, we're we're very well aware of LaVisca Chenault. But he is a guy who, like, in more casual leagues, is he's going to be going at kind of a, an insanely low ADP. I think same with, same with Chark, same with James Robinson, who – after you know further analysis, I believe has uh, a pretty decent role in this offense. Uh, both Urban Meyer and Jacksonville's offensive coordinator, whose name escapes me at the moment, have said Tim Tebow. It's probably it's Pat Shermer. I'm just guessing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's be. one of those retreat. I have re- yeah, retreat. It's, it's, it's got it's a it's not. Um, uh, is it the former Lions guy? But I was going to say uh, my retread joke was he's a Turner. It's just one of the Turners, nor or any of the other ones. Yeah, it's- it's Jim it's, Bob Cooter. No, it's Daryl Bevel. Yes, it's Bevel. Bevel. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it, and Bevel is all those guys. So, and they have said in recent weeks, like, um, we're we're going to establish it. Like, like, sorry, sorry if you're triggered, but we're gonna we're gonna establish the run. And you know that I think that means that guy like J- James Robinson just by default could have a lot more opportunity than we thought, especially after they spent the Jaguars spent a, a late first round pick on Travis Etienne. Yeah, Denny, that's an, it's like Urban in college, he did have some bell cow approaches sometimes. He had the Carlos Hyde at Ohio State, quite famously, one of the, the better bell cows of the past decade in college football. But uh, usually a guy who had two or three backs that he would kind of make relevant. And definitely an offense where I'm not worried about, even if it's like ends up skewing more pass heavy than expected, I think it's an offense that will make two backs uh, fantasy viable on a weekly basis. I saw James Robinson is running back 26 somewhere this morning where I was looking. I don't know what you guys have seen recently. See RB31. We, you know, it's really good for every show that we don't agree on what ADP to use. Or whatever. Um, either, but at either one, yeah. at either one, I feel like the slide is, seems like the slide has gone too far. I agree. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, I can <laughs> see with Pat on this one. I can see the James Rob slide actually being debated uh, both ways where I think he's being drafted basically as a, a mid range flex. I do think, uh, I said they're going to make two backs fantasy viable. I think that's true, but I do think James Robinson will probably still be more of like a mid-range, low-end flex. But that is fantasy viable, and, you know, especially with bye weeks, every the injuries. Like James Robinson, he could be in like the territory. Like, oh, I kind of wish I wasn't starting James Robinson, <laughs> but uh, like you will be able to start him. Like there will be reasons to justify starting James Robinson, yeah. and he will provide actual returns. I probably won't draft him. I just feel like the guy who does. 
I'm going to be looking, you know, in whatever league I'm going to be looking at his roster, you're like, you know, that was actually a good pick. Well, let's just be clear. No one has ever actually drafted James Robinson. It's kind of those things like <laughs> no one true. would admit to. Like when you're sharing like the screenshot of your team, you just like blur out James Robinson. Like, I don't remember what that pick. That's weird. I, right. My computer does that sometimes. It blurs <laughs> things out on accident. I don't know what that is. This, but, is, uh, this is offensive. Honestly. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but James Robinson, he will, none of us will be drafting him, but he will be fantasy viable. I mean, Denny will be, of course, because Denny's a sick. <laughs> A sixth person. Well, I was just going to say my only contention with James Robinson is that I think he's going to probably, he's going to lose out on the thing we want most from a running back, which will be the receptions. And he goes mm-hmm. at the top of the range of all of the running backs who are just like that. Like Raheem Most are obviously not going to be a bell cow back. Like Michael Carter might take a few weeks to get started. Ronald Jones never catching a pass in his life. Zach Moss never going to be this uh, like premier three down back. James Conner kind of just a banger, but he leads all those guys in ADP. I'll just take the arbitrary with like James, I think James Conner is probably going to play a similar role. It's like a lot of touches, but maybe empty calorie touches. I think James Robinson is just like just a guy who picks up the touches we don't really love, and you can have those guys cheaper. I don't. I agree. I think he's probably still a viable flex option. It's just I think you pay a premium to not get that much uh, reward in return. I uh, I hate how good a point that was. Go ahead. Pat. And uh, I was going to say too, there is the real threat. I feel like for James Robinson is that so again, Urban Meyer is. Like very rarely was he just like featuring one running back in college. Like, and he, he would like to have like kind of like gadget style type running backs. And it's like a secondary back or sometimes even kind of this lead back. And the threat for James Robinson is that that player in Jacksonville becomes the Chanel or becomes even Travis Etienne, you know, we're talking about triggered, you know, he's claiming like Travis Etienne is going to be more of like a slasher, like receiver type. And that would be the concern where it is still like a two back approach but the second batch is second back is more of like the offensive weapon type and not the James Robinson type. I'll have you know, Kyle, Ronald Jones caught 28 passes last year and he turned them into 165 yards. So I don't think we should be just throwing around that kind of idle talk about this guy never catching passes. 5.9 yards per reception, a robust. Yeah, our fellow new edger, uh, Pat Crane, is just fired a workplace complaining it's Kyle too for denigrating Ronald Jones. Um, so what you're not saying is that Ronald Jones dropped 47 passes last year. That's <laughs> what we're not talking about. By the way, Pat, I just want to circle back and gra- congratulate you on predicting the future with Marvin Jones to the Raiders because that just makes too much sense. I can easily see that yeah. a year or two down the road. It is shocking that has not happened yet. Uh, it, it, <laughs> was, it was going to go one of two ways. It was either going to be John Brown or Marvin Jones, and it, they went John Brown this offseason. All right. Do we feel like – do we want to talk about Trevor Lawrence? Like is Trevor Lawrence going to have viability for you guys in a one-quarter – I mean, obviously on, in a super flex league or a two-quarterback league, he's already on everyone's radar, but do you think – do you see him, Pat, as the representative of the Jacksonville Jaguars as being a a guy who actually becomes like a 12-team starter at some point in a one-quarterback league? Well, Denny wrote our Jaguars team preview or Jaguars oh, okay. fantasy preview where he kind of broke this down. And Denny sees him as more as, as like a kind of like a priority streamer. So it's not as the top 12 option, am I correct? Um, yeah. I, that feels right to me, even though – Someone who, again, like uh, is a, a kind of a legit dual threat. I mean, I, it's weird because you never picture him that way, but he has the athletic ability. He rushed for a ton of touchdowns at Clemson. Maybe they won't want to like emphasize that and like expose him, like those kind of big hits as a rookie. And I could see maybe that being kind of like dialed back a little bit to begin his career, but we know he has that capability. And I just think the game flow is just going to be so bad so often for the Jaguars that and maybe if he's not like by the letter of the law, a top 12 quarterback, like more of a streamer type, but I think he's gonna be like kind of like a streamer type that just remains rostered. He's not gonna be like on the waiver wire, I feel like. And like, even if again, he's not like by the letter of the law, top 12 QB, 
I, I kind of doubt you'll be seeing even in one quarterback leagues Trevor Lawrence on the wire that often. I mean, that, that doesn't count like the experts leagues that we play in. We're like, you know, like, well, I guess it's kind of weird that Pat Mahomes is on the waiver wire this week. <laughs> but I guess, I'm but I guess I better stream it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I, I actually think uh, Lawrence will be, especially early in the season, rostered in a large number of of twelve team leagues because uh, of his name, of his name recognition, the fact that he was number one overall. I think that that will dwindle as the season goes on. You know, in, in my Jaguars preview, which you can find on NBC Sports Edge, I, I went through, you know, his stats over the past two seasons. And as you know, I've never watched a football game. Uh, so Especially a college game. I mean. of, God, I would never put myself through that. So, and, you know, looking at numbers purely, you know, he's trailing every other quarterback who was drafted this year in major predictive stats. I, I, he's, tra- I, well, he's trailing Trey Lance, who's played in, one in, FC one Division One game in the past two years, and it was against Central Arkansas folks. Uh, wait a second, uh, he is trailing Lance in something. Hold on, uh, he's um, probably got to be trailing him in TD to interception ratio because Lance threw a ton of TDs and never got intercepted, and that probably trickles down to stats that would include uh, uh-huh. like touchdown interceptions, like uh, just yards per attempt. I think does so. I'm sure there are some efficiency metrics which he would because Lance. I mean, against. Uh, you know, North Dakota and South Dakota, Montana players was mind-bogglingly mm-hmm. efficient. So I'm sure he actually right. does in those uh, in that context. Obviously, there's a lot of framing I have to do to get there, but I'm sure, sure. he does. Yeah, uh, his 9.9. So talking about Lawrence, Lawrence's 9.9 adjusted yards per attempt was ninth in the nation last year, uh, or I'm sorry, two years ago, uh, trailing by a long shot, trailing Fields, Burrow, and Trey Lance. Uh, and you just look down the line. You know, he's just. I get that he's tall. You know, I, I understand. I'm jealous that. of that. I'm jealous of that for sure. He's a tall guy. He has long hair. Then he's kind of like you, actually. <laughs> you know, he's just a beautiful, 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 beautiful person. He looks like a quarterback. He looks like a quarterback. You know who else looked like a quarterback? Blaine Gabbert. Let's move on to the next team. Oh my gosh. Denny just went straight Buffalo wings with his Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he might be fine. He could be fine. <laughs> Uh, it, Trevor Lawrence, by the way, he just he got like uh, Golden State Warrior syndrome, where it's like he knew he's in the playoff every year. You know, he's just kind of like you got to mess around sometimes against Syracuse. You got to mess around against Georgia Tech occasionally. He didn't get to put up 630 yards every week. You know, if he had <laughs> right. been on a worse team, so I, th- I think there was some of that going on with our, with our boy T Law. <laughs> All right, Denny, your choice, your team is one that was impossible to watch on offense last year, a total fantasy wasteland, but change has come to the Meadowlands, as we all know, for the New York Jets. Why are you higher than you believe most are on this Jets offense for fantasy purposes, Denny? I was talking with Pat Corain, uh, the best Pat on staff, the other day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't see you there, Pat. And uh, we were talking about the Jets. And, you know, thankfully, he was kind of on the same page, mostly on the same page when it comes to my belief that Jets players are being undervalued. And he said something that that kind of stuck in my head, which was people act like the stink is on the Jets jerseys. Like we see the Jets and we think of the Adam Gase Jets and everything that came before that and all the failure, all the underperformance. I get that. Like it's an ugly franchise, really just quite disgusting in every way. But this is a brand new page and they're bringing in a Shanahan type system to an offense that desperately needed something like that. Something uh, that can give consistent value to a running back to at least one wide receiver. If the quarterback functions in that system properly, he can be efficient. Zach Wilson is 
a question mark. I, I get it because he comes out of nowhere, like competing with four other guys for the BYU uh, starter role to this magical, amazing uh, 2020 season in which he's not pressured at all, which is a huge thing. You know, he, he faced no pressure last year behind the best offensive line in the nation, and it wasn't close. But he was a very good passer and a very downfield, fantasy-friendly type passer. He also wasn't terrible on the rushing front. He averaged, I think, over seven and a half rush attempts per game uh, over the past two years at, at BYU. So Evan Silva at Established Run has said, uh, Zach Wilson has a fantasy friendly game. I think that's true. And I think that that trickles down, that translates to the rest of the pass catchers. I mean, you, we all heard my 15 minute uh, soliloquy to Elijah Moore uh, last week. So, you know, that, uh, he, and he's, he's still being drafted at like wide receiver 50. I, I like the Jets a lot. The Moore thing is really weird, by the way. Normally, uh, people are so sharp these days that like buzz almost never doesn't translate anymore. And the, the Elijah Moore ADP staying low Mm -hmm. has been very suspicious to me and the thing is with zach wilson is like he is like kind of like the boring playmaker type like when i watched his uh when i watched his college film i actually did watch some zach wilson film i wish i was saying that as a parody but i didn't uh he kind of reminded me of like drew Locke's college film but without the interceptions like he was like good like drew drew lock had a lot of big time college highlights but then they were like always interspliced with like throwing like an interception like right to a linebacker <laughs> which he did like at least once a week i've watched every mizzou game i'm a mizzou that was, that was on his highlight reel the interceptions that's this kind of part and parcel of being mizzou uh, please pray for me folks um zach wilson like didn't do that he would make the big plays without those kind of plays but he is he was also like you know kind of like a manzel type and like wow he's like a big play hunter like kind of like off schedule someone who like isn't like a finished product in the pocket. And like, that's the reality of who he is. And now they're putting him in the system. Like they want to be like the safe shanty system, like get the yak, you know, get the ball in the playmakers hands and let them make the plays. And like that to me, it doesn't feel like Zach Wilson at all. And I feel like it could be kind of a tough transition, uh, but there are a lot of like individually very, pretty much every jet skill player, like on individual level, has like an intriguing fantasy case. So we so we have the comps are uh, Johnny Manziel and Drew Locke. That's great. I, they, you know, yeah. I, it makes me feel great. If I'm a Jets fan, I just threw off my headphones and ran out of the room screaming after hearing that. That is not what you want to hear if you're a New York Jets fan. To pitch the optimist case on just the comps, I have also heard like legitimate people who watch uh, who watch film, including I, I consider Pat among these legitimate film watchers, to be clear. <laughs> but I have heard other people say that he looks like Patrick Mahomes coming out of college in the sense that we knew Patrick Mahomes had the high ceiling. But obviously, like we you can't ever predict that he'll be one of the greatest quarterbacks by the age of 25 or whatever. But he has that type of electric playmaking ability. And in the same way that Patrick Mahomes didn't also intersplice it with like god awful plays all the time, i.e., you know, Drew Locke, he just has that kind of innate playmaking ability that, sure, like players who play high volatility like Johnny Manziel are going to have, but also at the high end that unlocks this ceiling that is like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. So to be clear, we're like, when we say he comps to someone like Drew Locke, it's because you can't comp to someone like Patrick Mahomes yeah. reasonably. You can never say like, oh, well, you know, he's going to be the next Calvin Johnson or something. It'd be stupid to say that. So you have to comp him to a player that is realistic, even though we know he does indeed just the, his play style has such a good high upside. Because it, it was like Mahomes where he's just making like big plays all the time. 
But unlike Mahomes, you know, it was one year, and unlike Mahomes, yeah. it was for a you know, independent where they're playing. Like you know, the biggest game of his career was against Coastal Carolina. You know, like the biggest in terms of like most important. So it's just hard. But he threw three interceptions all year. Like so, despite being like this kind of swashbuckling big play hunter, he threw only three interceptions. So you can see why he's such a fascinating prospect. So we already know we're excited about Elijah Moore. Denny, are you excited about? other Jets pass catchers beyond Elijah Moore. And we might as well spin that into the running back situation Mm. as well in a second. So as wary as I am about like translating an offense to another team and saying, Oh, this guy gets the so-and-so role. Yeah. Because we, we do that all the time and it doesn't, doesn't really work out very often, but I will say, uh, you know, tight end plays can play a very uh, prominent role in this offense. And this is not a Chris Herndon rant, okay? <laughs> this is perhaps uh, what's his backups? What's the tight end too? Tyler Croft? Is that? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so I think of the the rookie guy that I like too. They had an undrafted free agent tight. That's not who you're thinking of. I believe they did sign Tyler Croft. Yes. I think you have like, is it like Dan Griffin? Is that his name? No, 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 no. Tyler. Gro- I was Ty- thinking Tyler of. Uh, gosh, what is this guy's name? This is a great podcast listening. I, I always think of <sighs> Kenny Yaboa. But that's not oh, who okay. Denny is thinking of. Denny, I think, is thinking of Tyler Croft. Yeah, I am. I am. And and there we had a blurb. Yes, we had a blurb uh, back in late June uh, where the New York Post's Brian Costello said Tyler Croft might end up with the starting job over uh, Chris Herndon. He called him one of the bigger surprises of the spring practices for the Jets. All I'm saying is that whoever gets this starting job as the primary pass-catching tight end in the Jets' offense is going to be like a nice waiver pickup probably early in the season. Maybe even somebody who is drafted in, you know, tight end premium leagues where, you know, tight end catches count for 45 points and everything. But, <laughs> you know, watch out. Watch out for the Jets tight ends is what I'm saying. Team Kenny Yaboa. Uh, can we throw one last, are my, uh, Denny, are my Denzel Mims dynasty shares dead? Because, like, he was a player who really, I thought, had a lot of this, like, outside boundary potential to be like, I don't want to say like a real target hog, but he did have an impressive college profile and uh, it all came apart in his rookie season. And then he's already running behind Keelan Cole, who like uh, a random free agent signing that I would have been like, yeah, I don't know. Probably make the roster as a special teamer is now outpacing Denzel Mims as of you know mini camp already. Yeah, I mean, according to every, you know, beat writer who we have cited in, in, in these blurbs, I'm sure, You've seen they're saying, you know, Denzel Mims just is not fitting what they're trying to do. And Pat has said, Pat being a Denzel Mims truther, number one in the nation, uh, <laughs> has, has said, um, let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, we haven't even hit training camp. I think we are going to, you know, either confirm or deny these reports in training camp. Where we're going to go into August knowing uh, whether, you know, that really does hold up. Like, is Denzel Mims not going to be part of this offense? I still I think that there's a, a small chance that that is true, but I, I, I think we probably will see it sort of, sort of turn around in that narrative. Yeah, I mean, it was an awful quick cancellation of Denzel Mims. Right. And it could be like a Dante Pettis type situation where like someone shows like a little bit of promise as a rookie, but, you know, it's kind of largely disappointing and things to snowball from there. But it also struck me as maybe kind of a coach motivational stuff because you have – there's literally no downside to like mm-hmm. giving Denzel Mims like third team reps in junior. It means like actually nothing. I mean, it means something to the player, of course, 
Like it has no effect overall, like the overall team success for 2021, like a real easy way to send a message to someone. And Denzel Mims in theory doesn't fit like this extreme version of the Kyle Shanahan yak that we saw last year, the system that the jets are supposedly going to run. But we just talk about Zach Wilson being like right. a playmaker. Someone likes to make plays down the field. I mean, like Denzel Mims is like the way to do that. And even amongst the disappointment last year, he averaged 15, 16 yards per catch. And one of the most dysfunctional offenses league yards per catch is, of course, uh, a very problematic stat. But he, the point being, he did actually make some big plays on the boundary last year in between injuries and all that. And that yet just be very, uh, it was concerning. There, there's no way to say it wasn't concerning. But it was also padless practices with a new coaching staff that might just be trying to motivate someone. It would be far from the first time that like a second-year player, especially with a new coaching staff, got that kind of treatment. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll add on this Jets support, which like the Jets, I don't think the Jets are going to be some incredible team, but the market has also determined that they're like, like you said, Denny, it's almost as if we just assumed that the Jets are perennially bad and they have been perennial bad, perennially bad, but they've also had terrible teams for a while. Now they actually have some decent weapons. They have a quarterback who's probably going to be better than any quarterback as a rookie that they've had in the past, like decade or something so i think the market has just not come to terms with how much of a turnaround we could see from them like we're talking about elijah moore getting some of the summer pub his his adp is increasing he's still outside of the top 50 wide receivers and then they have other wide receivers like jameson crowder who opened up the year last year so i think three straight 100 yard receiving gains is going like well beyond i think the top 60 wide receivers so i i mean it's one thing to say that i think uh you know any team can can do well. I think, oh man, I was gonna I was just gonna show up and be like, guys, I think the Chiefs are actually pretty underrated. They have some good players. <laughs> but like the thing is we're trying to gauge where the market is and see how we can beat the market. And the market thinks this is gonna be one of the league's absolute worst offenses given where their receivers are being drafted. And I just don't see them being among the bottom five or six. And that's really the bar you need to clear to beat these ADPs that are like nothing. They could be bottom five or six and still beat these ADPs is the thing. Cause they don't have, they don't have a single top 50 wide receiver right now. And that includes Corey Davis, you know, a former number five overall pick who just had a big time breakout season last year. And I think part of the problem with the, the jets is just like, it's all like people in like either unproven players or players in like a new situations. I think it's more that maybe than so much like the past jets reputation where it's just a lot of, a lot of faith basically instead of like we're putting our faith and like seeing something we haven't really seen the only player we've seen it from so really is Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis and like Jamison Crowder is the one who's like on the outs you know so it's just kind of a strange situation there where so much turnover and but Mikhail by the way Michael Carter yeah uh, is currently like the RB 32 33 I mean is, is he is he ending up on Kyle Dvorak teams or ADP 2 is basically is he falling in like the RB hipster zone where you can actually take uh, Michael Carter. Yeah, I think he's a player who kind of just depends on roster construction for me. I don't have any strong take on him. Uh, I mean, I do think we're going to have to slog through a few weeks of like Devin Coleman getting, you know, 14 (sighs) carries and three targets, even though there was a time in my life, in a former life where I liked Devin Coleman. I was like, oh, you know, it was the year Devonta Freeman broke out. Tevin Coleman was a really trendy, trendy pick. We've all been there. And, you know, he used to be electric. That guy used to be electric. (laughs) Man, he, uh, uh, there was a time, but I think that time is long since passed. He suffered a ton of like soft tissue injuries and really has proved time and time again that he's probably like a, a high end backup. But I don't we will see uh, him as an actual starter for three, four five weeks, maybe. But I do think as time goes on, it will be hard to deny the fact that he is just he's 
a high-end backup. That's what he is. And that's okay. That's not an indictment of him. I think at some point, though, Michael Carter will take over. And down the stretch, weeks, you know, 10, 11, 12, in the, in the best ball championship type of rounds, you're going to want to have cheap Michael Carter, running back 30, whatever Michael Carter, who's now playing at running back 21 levels of Michael Carter. So I think for me, I don't have like a strong opinion on him. I think he'll get better as the season goes on. And I think that's the type of player you want to be targeting a player who can turn on at the end of the season when those weeks matter the most. So yeah, when I have like a, you know, the, the hero RB, I take one running back build. He's definitely the, the profile of player I would target to get the second running back on my team after I've really hammered receiver and maybe taken like the elite tight end host Matt. I know we need to move on. But as I was say, I don't know if I would apply a high end backup to Tevin Coleman. He's not Coleman. even a high end backup. And I could see Tevin Coleman. I'm not trying to be, I'm actually not trying to be funny for once. I could actually see Tevin Coleman not even making the 53 man roster. Or it's just kind of like a Shanahan disciple, knowing he fits the Shanahan system. He had a, just a truly horrific year last year. And maybe saying, let's see if Tevin Coleman. You know, like if last year was just kind of like a, a bad luck down year. Let's see what he has left. It's a kick the tires signing almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can <laughs> see it. I man, that's a as a former Tevin Coleman truther who clearly at this point, like I, I have no allegiance to him. He's probably not that good. Even this still hurts me. Pat, you falsely assume that I would ever want to move on from the Jets. I had budgeted 45 <laughs> minutes for Jets talk today, so I'm here. I'm in it to to win it. Denny's back. I got to say though, as for Michael Carter, I feel like you can almost overthink it. I mean, look at the running back depth chart. This is an intriguing prospect who landed on a really thin, I mean, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Michael Pirine, none of those guys scare you. It does feel like, I, I, I can see what Kyle's saying about having to wait, but it does feel like kind of almost too obvious of a situation where this guy's going to take over eventually. Yeah, man, that's a great point. Like, I'm kind of surprised. His ADP is fairly high for like a fourth round rookie and like kind of a committee backfield. Is like the art. He's being drafted as like a mid-range flex, but I was expecting it to almost get more out of control and be like an RB2. Yeah, I also I said I'm in it to win it a minute ago, so I'm going to leave just for that. I'm going <laughs> to I'm ejected. Well, you know who left, Matt, was Denny Carter. And most people are going to be listening to this audio, but Denny visually appears to be coming from the International Space Station <laughs> right now. I am. What is uh, going on? I'm not sure did what's going on there. Did you change devices, Denny? I did. Uh, so I, I, there was a miscommunication <laughs> between me and the guy who I told to wait on installing Internet outside my house. And uh, no, no internet in the Carter household. So we are, yes, we are broadcasting from space. I am, I'm honored to be the first. Uh, I, I, Richard Branson shot me into space, and now I am broadcasting from there. Also, conceptually, I like the idea of Denny believing that they're installing the internet. Like, oh, our neighborhood doesn't have internet. They're putting yeah. some internet over on the. It's gonna be next to fire hydrant. I think I saw him park the car over there. So just gonna plop an internet down, and then I'll have the internet by proxy to their internet. That's not how it works. Big mistake installing it outside the house too, Danny. That's you should definitely <laughs> get that inside as well. And uh. The social team is gonna be furious at us. They could have been promoting the first podcast from space, and we didn't say anything about it. That's true. I didn't put that in the spreadsheet. I will. Uh, I guess it's probably too late to update. Let's move to our third team, the Seattle Seahawks. As you guys know, as had had two very different seasons last year. What just happened? <laughs> Denny is on like a different time zone. He's trying to participate in the bit, but he's in like uh, he's in like space time. Denny's actually in space, which, as you know, yeah, as you move faster and faster, which he had to do to get to space so quickly, time shifts in a way that he's trying to catch up to the bit, but he just can't. Yeah, now Denny, you might have, you might have to call in from your space phone and give up the the space iPad video here. Yeah, I might do that. Okay. 
That was better though, because I mean, the previous comment was about a 90 second delay, I'd say. I mean, you, it was, you it was at least 90. You occasionally see a few seconds, like we're all accustomed to that, but 90, I'm not used to 90. That was very jarring. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, the Seahawks had two different seasons last year, basically. First half and second half. First half was incredible, second half, not so much. Kyle, what makes them underrated to you when it comes to fantasy this season? Yeah, I think the, the Seahawks players, especially when you, I think Tyler Lockett is like the the pinnacle of underrated number two receiver. I mean, like, I mean, DK Metcalf is amazing, but we saw Tyler Lockett on a weekly basis is also going to have just the nuttiest upside. And I think when you compare them to their guys at ADP, this is the offense at ADP that I want to be targeting almost more than any other because we know they have such a high floor of Russell Wilson being incredible and their target shares being so high. Like we saw last year, like, like David Moore was completely non-existent in this offense. Even if Gerald Everett becomes a, a more consistent contributor than whatever mess of tight ends they trot out last year. I like, I'm not predicting this giant, like top 10 tight end breakout from Gerald Everett. Their target shares are going to be incredibly high. And those targets all come from one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. And then I think there is this ceiling outcome where they'll probably never look quite like they did in that first eight game mm -hmm. stretch, but they can become a more modern offense under Shane Waldron, who most recently was an assistant coach for Sean McVay. And I know we've had, you know, Pete Carroll already talk about as he always does. They want to run this balanced offense. We've had also Shane Waldron talk about, they want to play with more pace. So even if they change nothing about their run pass ratio, which I, I, I would project I, Shane Waldron seems like an intelligent guy. He's also talked about using different formations and trying to confuse defenses. I think that's, the direction the league is going and it's not just having the best players but it's also putting the defense on their heels and confusing them with like pre-snap motion play action all these things that disguise your intentions he seems to understand that even if it doesn't result in them passing on 70 percent of their plays he seems to understand like the modern underpinnings of offense so i do think we're going to have this floor of high efficiency and then we have that ceiling outcome that he really does understand how to match talent with the the scheme that he runs and we could see something similar to what we saw in the first eight games. It'll never be quite that good, but there's the ceiling outcome that I almost think hasn't existed. At least we have not seen outside of those eight games that they do end up passing a lot, not leading the league in passing attempts, but they pass more. They understand how to play to their talents, which Waldron seems to be hinting at. So I, I think for me, they're being drafted. I don't want to say quite at their floor because they could always just play like they did the past five or six weeks of the last five or six weeks of the regular season. But that's pretty unheard of. I think for the Seahawks, they always have some level of floor where their receivers are efficient they have only two receivers that we really care about. So I think it's just really easy to target them over a team like the Bengals, who maybe get more raw passing volume. But like Joe Burrow is just almost never going to match someone like Russell Wilson in efficiency. He just, I, I think few players, like four players in the league, have that type of efficiency in their high end range of outcomes. I think Russell Wilson has modest to above average volume in his range of outcomes. So they really, to me, are just these like, high floor, incredibly high upside play. We're like it wouldn't shock anyone at DK Metcalf who had like 1300 yards and was on pace for 1600 the first eight or so weeks of last season. Wouldn't shock anyone if he led the league in receiving touchdowns or he led the league in receiving yards and Tyler Lockett as like the number two receiver, but a higher target share than most number two receivers is just being drafted among guys who are, I think probably less talented and have less opportunity than him. It's just slightly. I think this is an offense that just has a almost unmatched ceiling and ADP doesn't reflect that. So in terms of underrated, yeah, I, I have a lot of best ball stacks. And you can get like all three of these guys at relatively reasonable prices. See, I have a lot of best ball stacks with these guys. I'm back from space. 
and I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready to talk about Seattle's offense. That was um, a harrowing four minutes, Denny. I gotta say, uh, that a was lot happened. Gravity there. too. I don't even want to know what I heard. Something about ninety second delay. I don't even don't even tell me right now. To Pat's point, it's been five Earth years since you've been gone. <laughs> let's make. Let's go. Then we're on to Seattle's offense. So I, I am. I'm increasingly excited about Shane Waldron bringing the modern NFL to the Seattle offense, uh, full of little tricks like pre-snap motion <laughs> and the Seahawks players, DK Metcalf, Lockett, uh, Wilson himself have said this offense uh, compared to what w- we've been used to is very complicated, very complex. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. You know, for statistical, for fantasy purposes, that is not a bad thing. Uh, Lockett has talked, has talked about how uh, receivers in-, in this system have more freedom in the routes that they run. DK Metcalf has said it's not just going to be over the top or bust, which which it really was last year. And it, it worked beautifully for eight weeks. I mean, ama- amazing production during during that stretch, as we all remember. But, you know, when that regresses, it's a disaster, like we saw in the second half. I think we're going to see more consistent production from all of the fantasy-relevant pieces to this Seattle offense because they're embracing... You know, a more modern system with very talented, talented pass catchers. And, and Kyle has a great point. I've, I've come around with the, the help of JJ Zacharyson. Uh, mostly uh, I've come around to taking uh, Tyler Lockett at the, what he's going end of the fourth uh, beginning of the fifth round in best ball leagues and 12 team leagues, right? That, that seems like a really solid value to me. I mean, he's not going to like blow away his ADP, but He's going at wide receiver 22 or 23. Last year, he was wide receiver eight with uh, an abysmal second half of the season. So I, I I really do like where he's going in drafts. You mean Lockett, it's all about he gets that inconsistency penalty yeah. in his ADP where people just don't want to roster him because they have such vivid memories, somewhat justified memories of like the past two or three years where he'll get like 230 yards and then he'll get like 40 yards four weeks in a row. And obviously – it's not a smart way to draft. You have to just draft on the overall body of work, the overall upside, which is the sky high, like both Kyle and Denny said. But yeah, he gets that inconsistency uh, ding in ADP where people are like, I just I can't deal with Tyler Lockett. It's just basically people who can't – I can't even with Tyler Lockett, folks. <laughs> I can't I, even with Tyler Lockett. I saw somewhere the, the I can't even argument happens so much to players who have like no re- – like Tevin Coleman isn't I can't even – he deserves it. Like, oh, I can't even. This guy's probably not very good. But like ty- like I can't even with this Tyler Lockett. You're telling me you could put 200 yards up in any week. Oh, God, I can't even. I just want a guy – I just want – I just want Henry Ruggs, who doesn't see the field and yeah. goes 0 of 1 on his one target every single week. That's the kind of consistency I need. Just speaking to that point, though, I mean, when you look at his game log, it is jarring. I mean, even if you're a Tyler Lockett believer, Quite something. eight of his 10 touchdowns came in three games. Sick. I mean, he did, he did literally go 39 receiving yards, 44 receiving yards, 200 receiving yards, 33 receiving yards, 40 receiving yards. It is a maddening <laughs> game log. It's an infuriating game log. And I know that people who rostered him last year, certainly in my leagues, it drove him absolutely crazy. I mean, uh-huh. obviously on those boom weeks, it's fantastic. But but how do you – I mean, I guess you just want the guy, like you guys are saying, who can score you 40-plus fantasy points on any given week, and and you get it from someone else in the weeks where he doesn't do it. I mean, I, I get it. I get the weekly ceiling, the appeal. but You just have to trust that it's a just universe and that he is <laughs> that good of a player and that one it will normalize and he'll get – he'll just be more of the – 
where the floor weeks are 65, 70 yards and the ceiling weeks are 120, 130 yards. And he just becomes a more normal, like over the arc of a career, it should normalize and he should become a more normal player. Or maybe you, sorry to interrupt you. You saw what it was like when Denny was in outer space. It's not a just universe. I just got to say, no, it's, it's a strange. Not, universe. No, it's yeah. not. It's scary. Honestly. Sorry. Carry on. Know, maybe there's something, with, maybe there's something weird with Tyler Lockett. where like, he's just like explosively good against some kind of like subset of coverage that like us fantasy guys could never understand. And maybe he like truly is like that inconsistent of a player, but that's not really how it works. And what's like the Seahawks writ large, like this is gonna be like the most boomer analysis ever, but like they said, they should split the difference between last year. Like Russell Wilson was averaging almost 40 attempts per game. The first eight games of the season, they were true pedal in the metal. Part of that is the defense was so bad they lost their nerve mid-season. The defense started playing better, so they didn't have to quite throw as much, but they kind of lost their nerve as an offense when Russell Wilson had that very uncharacteristic like interceptions binge. Mm-hmm. And it was like the tale of two seasons is like much as you're ever going to see in fantasy. And uh, like that's not going to happen again. Like the Seahawks, the words are saying they want to run more, be more balanced, and there could be something to that, but their actions do speak louder and more too. Where like, you know, Pete Carroll went out of all people – who's been like recycling guys forever. Even Pete Carroll's like, all right, I got to get me a Sean McVay disciple mm-hmm. here. You know, we have to modernize this offense. And if you're modernizing an offense with Russell Wilson, it's hard to see how good things will not happen. Yeah. I think that's like the entire crux of it. It's just like Russell Wilson on his own plus receivers who are really talented and are going to have a ton of volume in terms of the market share. That's already good. Like that is going to get you to probably not pay off ADP, but you'll perfectly match expectations kind of the expectation whereas there is this you know fat tail end outcome where they don't have to throw 70 times a game they just have to be slightly more modern and we could see a version of russell wilson in this offense that we have really only seen for a handful of games if they just meet somewhere in the middle that's probably a successful outcome and one last thing to the uh the tyler lockett deep state conspiracy on his consistency (laughs) like no wide receiver is consistent you're getting eight eight opportunities, 10 opportunities a game on a thing that has like 15 variables from the, the blocking, the wind, the, the quarterback's throw, the defender, like no wide receiver is consistent. When you look at someone we conceive of, I believe we conceive of as consistent. I pulled up Adam Thielen. They go in a similar range. They're kind of similar players. The second receiver, I assume we believe that the second receiver on their low volume, high efficiency offense. Like we think Adam Thielen is probably a consistent player. Absolutely not the case. Like in here's a stretch from week six onward, 51, 27, 38, 43 yards. It's like no receiver is consistent. You just get the same amount of volatility that you get with Adam Thielen without the upside. Like Adam Thielen just doesn't have that 200 yard game upside that we see with Tyler Lockett because Tyler Lockett has Russell Wilson as his quarterback. So I think consistency for most players is just a product of volume. And when they buck that trend, it's usually just because they have a ceiling that is unmatched. That makes them look inconsistent. But like Adam Thielen, we think of as this like PPR high floor, probably never going to get you 1500 yards. He's just as inconsistent. A lot of players are inconsistent. I just want ceilings out of my guys. I want to score a lot of points throughout the course of the season. Lock is the way to do that. Uh, I, I may be on an Island. Well, maybe Kyle is on this Island with me. I think weak winning stat lines are good. I, you know, that I, I like, I enjoy them, but that's just me. I can't even with those weak winning stat lines. <laughs> that's the most boomer thing ever. If you do, I want to actually win a week. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. The patriarchy, fight it. Is that, you don't want to win weeks. <laughs> yeah. Winning weeks is just, that's very, that's the patriarchy, man. Mm, I, ga- I gave in then. I'm sorry. <laughs> This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. 
the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. The 149th Open Championship, once again, America will begin their day watching the best golfers in the world compete on the rugged shores of the North Sea at Royal St. George's Golf Club in England. The Open Championship, Thursday, that's today, Thursday to Sunday on NBC, Golf and Peacock. Okay, guys. Before we get out of here, wanted to quickly take a minute talking about a team or teams that we may consider the exact opposite of what we've been talking about, a little overrated for fantasy purposes. And Danny, I know when we were going back and forth pre-show discussing possibilities, you uh, mentioned a certain uh, Pittsburgh Steelers team <laughs> that may be just that based on their ADPs, the ADPs of yeah. Najee Harris, the ADPs of their wide receivers with a... 52-year-old quarterback under center behind a shaky offensive line. So tell us a little more about that. Yeah, the, I didn't know where you're going with that Pittsburgh thing. A little team that plays in Pittsburgh. I Yeah, I really stretched that out. It was yeah. not intentional. It's like the old Simpsons joke where Mac says, I'm not going to say which team. It was Pittsburgh S. Oh, no, that's too obvious. It's P Steelers. That's right. For the, for the old Simpsons boomers out there. That's right. Well, you look at the ADPs, they just, they don't seem to add up. And please, you know, guys feel free to, to push back on this if, if I'm off here. So you have Najee Harris, borderline first rounder in 12 team leagues. You have Deontay Johnson, wide receiver, 24 off the board. Then you have Chase Claypool, wide receiver, 28. Ray Ray McLeod, wide receiver, 18. <laughs> yeah, no, Ray Ray McLeod cannot be going that high. Now, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver, 29. So, And then Ben Roethlisberger has an AP of like, of like QB 420. And I, I just I just don't <laughs> I don't understand like where th- there's a huge disconnect here. So are they going to establish it? Like they're going to run a million times? Is Najee Harris going to catch 85 passes? Are the receivers going to get an evenly distributed target share? I just I can't figure out like which one is wrong because one of them is wrong. Pat, Kyle, which one's wrong? I don't know if we we could not find agreement on this. This was one of the most tortured group yes, texts we've ever had. <laughs> where Denny was like, maybe the Steelers, and we just all had silence. <laughs> and then like someone changed the subject. <laughs> and, I, uh, <laughs> I will yeah. say the one thing I can agree with there, though not wide receiver 29, I think I would take Juju as the third Steelers receiver. That would be my the third guy off the board. But wide receiver 29 still feels a little too high, if that makes sense. If he was the third guy going off the board and going later, I would take him. Kyle, hasn't there been your our best ball ears on the ground? Hasn't there been a movement now like Juju's going too low? I've caught wind mm-hmm. of this on Twitter. Like Juju's the real Steelers number one receiver. 
And maybe, maybe, I, maybe this isn't happening. <laughs> I've seen that take before. I don't know if it has uh, resulted in sort of an underground guerrilla movement as though it's being framed. I can pull up. Uh, well, I was going to say I was going to pull up his ADP and he is indeed going. I mean, it's a few spots. He's going a little higher, but uh, that's just because every wide receiver is going higher. Like uh, there's been a just giant seismic shift to get wide receivers in place of the dead zone running backs. But yeah, Juju has been included in that. He has not been kept outside of the wide receiver love we've been getting. To me, I, I think it's some, I mean, like most things in life it's probably some of both i think to even have three wide receivers in the top like 50 almost if you can just punch three guys in as wide receiver threes you probably can't have that quarterback be quarterback 28 which is what i think he goes as underdog so i i think if we have them even higher than that ben rossberger has to be at least considered like a borderline QB2, which he's not even being considered a borderline QB2. I am not excited to get Ben Roethlisberger, but even if you just think that some of the Steelers players end up paying off their ADP, it's almost impossible for Roethlisberger to not be that. So I think you, it's almost hard for me to imagine that Ben Roethlisberger truly ends up being the 28th uh, best quarterback, like the fourth worst starting quarterback from a fantasy fantasy perspective. He might actually be that bad in real life if he just continues to digress. I would say I, I really struggle to find faith in Juju, and I was another guy I've just been like an ardent supporter of. But when you watch someone like Chase Claypool play, he clearly looks like the guy who needs to be an alpha number one receiver on his team. And Deontay Johnson just has an ability to draw targets that matches Juju's but he does it at a slightly higher depth of target. Like it's like they're very similar in the way that they score. Deontay just does it a little better. So I would personally, especially for like Juju and Deontay, because I have such an unwavering faith in Chase Claypool, I would scale those two guys back a little bit. But I think my adjustment more does come from moving Ben Rosberger up like five, six, seven quarterback spots at least, just because the volume we saw them play, even if they choose to establish it compared to last year, it would take so much for them to just become like a league average pass attempt team that I, I don't see them establishing it that much. I think Najee Harris's role as a receiver is another reason they probably drafted him, which doesn't necessarily result in the scaling back of rush attempt or of pass attempts. So I lean more towards Ben Roethlisberger is the value and the other guys are not overvalued. Although I do think it's hard for all three of them to pay off ADP. Juju Smith-Schuster, despite being the lowest, I would still, I think he should be the lowest pretty considerably. Yeah, I'll just say, I'll try to be succinct real quick that there's basically two things going on here. Like Ben Roethlisberger ADP is just way too low. I mean, it, we're not going to, it's not like you're going to want a roster Ben Roethlisberger, QB 28, that's like just absurd. That's not going to happen. And like I say, this is a PPR proponent like love ppr only play ppr fantasy but like this is kind of also like the logical endpoint of like the pprization of fantasy football where like empty volume can like succeed and fan like you can have empty volume with like a number of receivers and still not have the quarterback be fantasy relevant basically like that's what happened last year there's just so many targets and so many receptions to go around in this offense that ben was not a good fantasy quarterback but he supported three fantasy receivers and like the disconnect is a little too great this year. And part of that humongous raw empty volume last year was the complete lack of a running game, which of course you say we've know is going to be different this year. But yeah, I think it's just too, th- I think it's Ben Roethlisberger is going too low. And I think that, yeah, it's just a little bit like empty volume translates a little more than it used to. This topic is so divisive that Denny Carter has left the left for good. He's gone. I think he's done. <laughs> he stormed out. He's done that. Fortunately, space debris has hit uh, his shuttle, and they've lost contact with Cape Canaveral. And we're we're all we're all thinking of you, Denny. Quickly before we go, where where do you guys land on Najee Harris? We'll start with you, Kyle. Are you won over by Najee Harris's volume, or are you uh, wary of him at his ADP? 
Yeah, I, I haven't done, you know, 100 best ball drafts. Maybe when I get to that point, I will end up getting some exposure to him just by me picking in the right spot and falling a few spots. But like, I, I don't really, really see any reason he should be going ahead of someone like Antonio Gibson or Joe Mixon or like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he should fall at the back end of guys that we believe have the potential for a three down roll or will be hyper efficient. Like I can't say Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler have like the true three down roll. They'll probably get out touched by Najee Harris, but I lump them in because we can so predictably say they're going to be efficient i think he kind of deserves to go at the back end of that and he actually goes closer to the top end of this like tier two maybe you call him tier three running backs so to me i don't think he's a terrible pick generally picking guys who get volume is how you succeed but he is not the only guy in his range who can get volume and it really wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to see washington's offense with antonio gibson being a major part of it outpace the Steelers offense or even the Bengals who have a quarterback who is on the rise as opposed to Ben Roethlisberger who I don't know that his arm like I'm not even sure he will have an arm like he might just not physically have the arm they'll be throwing him out in the field and he'll be doing underhanded left hand I assume he's right hander just be little (laughs) underhanded pitches on the left hand because he had like the Tommy John surgery came back from it and clearly was not the same Uh, so to me I understand why you take him I get the theory that is Najee Harris, but I don't think he gives you points that are entirely irreplaceable. I think you can get those sort of, I'll say empty calorie, but just between the twenties points. And I don't know if he has the the crazy reception upside. I certainly don't believe he has this massive touchdown upside that I think someone like Gibson could have. So there are a handful of guys like Clyde Hilaire could just fortunately because he plays for the chiefs soak up a ton of touchdowns. So I think he falls median projection in that similar range to these guys, but I think the guys behind him, a handful of them at least have Uh, probably a ceiling that far outpaces Harris because his offensive line is terrible. His team's passing attack really isn't going to strike fear. It isn't going to cause you to never play an extra man in the box. And I don't think he's going to be this like hyper-efficient guy like Alvin Kamara can just get there on like, you know, 250 touches, which is unheard of. I don't think he checks like any of those boxes to be a top three running back. Gibson, even Joe Mixon, who I'm not like a, a starch like staunch supporter of and Clyde Hilaire I all think have that like top three upside and that's really what you need to find as Corrine has talked about when you draft one of these expensive running backs and I just don't think he quite has that with, with Najee I'll just say he's been giving probably a little too much league winning credit but there's essentially no way he could be a league loser like mm-hmm. the volume is just too prodigious I'm back hi Denny Denny space shuttle programs back they got you down safely to earth I come and go. Richard Branson called me again, so I had to. I had to respond. I'm just gonna wear that joke out. But yeah, that's all, that's all our time for today, actually. Anyways, folks. Um, no, I mean, look, listen, Najee Harris <laughs> as a volume truther, I get it. I get it with Najee Harris, and but everybody else gets it too, which is why he's going at like the one-two turn. So you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're not. You're not getting over on anybody by taking Najee Harris there. I mean, and honestly, his ADP might creep up a little bit in the preseason. You know, Pete, we're, we are very influenced by the preseason, and, and we forget this because 2020 had no preseason, unfortunately. We're going to have it this year. We're going to get to see exciting plays. We're going to get to see rookies do exciting things on the field. And we're going to say, oh, like, I need that. I need that player on my team. And Najee Harris, I think, will be like a prime example of that. So, you know, he'll be fine. Like Pat said, he's not going to kill your team, Um, but he's also not going to vault you, you know, into a championship.
One last thing I'll throw out on Harris that I like, you know, I guess we've, we've been to the, we've been divided on many topics of the show. I will say like, I do think there's like scenarios where I, I think it's kind of obvious how Harris kills your team. He does what like Zeke did last year. Zeke was not like statistically a terrible player last year. He didn't, you know, Saquon didn't almost play the whole season. Of course he kills your team, but Zeke had one of the lowest win rates I, outside of the guys who were hurt. I think he had the lowest win rate among like the first, second, third round running backs because you need that kind of ceiling. Not like you can't just survive on Zeke Elliott's last year. It killed you. It was one of the lower best ball win rates, not because he was like out there going 10 for 12. He wasn't like dastardly horrible. You just need that kind of ceiling when you Mm -hmm. forego kind of locking in Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Adams. When you forego those guys and you do not get your ceiling outcome, you get ran over by those teams. So that's kind of my fear with Najee Harris is you're probably, I feel like almost you're locked into that four to 9% win rate, which is not a range I want to exist in because the top end of that range barely gets you above average. Danny, I think you raised the point that I think is next on one before we get out of here. I do feel like this preseason is going to be tremendously overvalued. It's like splash plays in this preseason are going to send ADPs all over the place, I think. Yes, there's. I mean, there are going to be fans in the stands for the first time in two years. They're going to be going nuts. The you know the players are going going to be going crazy. Fantasy managers are going to lose their minds over plays in the, in the preseason. We're going to see massive <laughs> yeah. uh, ADP fluctuations over right. that two or three week span. Najee Harris is going to play like the first drive. You know, players don't really get like players who are starters don't really get many drives. Najee Harris is going to play the first drive. He's going to get stuffed three times, go three <laughs> three carries for eight yards, and his ADP is going to jump like three spots right. up into the first round. People will be like, "Yes, I'm I'm ready." I just remember a Derrick Henry preseason run from a few years ago that just sent his value through the roof. I don't know if you guys remember that, like a long preseason run before he was the man in Tennessee. Good times. Yes. I think the GOAT preseason bump was the Amir Abdullah bump. It might have been his rookie year. It might have been his second year. But he, I mean, he does what we all thought Amir Abdullah would do, was like never get tackled. He became like uh, the pre-Alvin Kamara, and he was just terrible the year. I don't even know if he like played very much. But yeah, I think there's a there's a good podcast where it's just the all-time preseason, uh, preseason bumps. <laughs> right. And it would be a great way to show how Denny was saying, like, mm-hmm. we really do overrate these like five snaps we see from a, a fringe starter yeah. in a game where they're playing against backup defensemen. We'll have to file that topic away. I like it. Uh, before we go, has anything to mention on NBC Sports Edge? I have a piece going up today, which is Thursday, uh, on fantasy points over expectation all-stars among wide receivers and what that might tell us for 2021. And I had the Saints preview uh, just come out. I had a great, great normal not weird twitter interaction where i said or at least our tweet said michael thomas you know rebound wide receiver one season which is you know along the lines of what i wrote is quote from what i wrote someone said aren't you worried about Jameis?" and i was like oh no he's a gunslinger he threw for five thousand yards two years ago and then they said this isn't fantasy football the title of the gd article was fantasy team previews so i like i i threw away my phone this is uh probably the last time i'll ever get on twitter it was such a, a strange feel you know that's not true <laughs> yeah i actually logged on and i was like this is, the, this is the interaction i'm looking for this right. deranged mess yeah all right that is gonna do it for us don't forget to subscribe and have a podcast on spotify wherever you listen take a second to rate and review us as well i want to say thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on youtube Denny, Kyle, and Pat, who is the latest to spontaneously depart. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Hang in there, Daigle. (laughs) This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.